Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, The Shag's Philosophy of the World from 1969. Austin Wiggin Jr. was a mill worker in Fremont, New Hampshire. As a child, he thought the world of his mother. She liked to do palm readings and predict the future. She told Austin that he would marry a strawberry blonde woman, have two sons who she would not live to see, and that his daughters would not only play in a band, but be the biggest girl group in America. Well, Austin did end up marrying a strawberry blonde woman, and he and his wife had two sons after his mother passed away. So now he felt his daughters had to form a band. He pulled his three daughters, Betty, Helen, and Dorothy, who also goes by Dot, out of school. He told them they would be taking voice and music lessons and forming a band. Austin Wiggin was strict with them, especially about the band, and he was in charge of all of it, even picking their name. The Shags, named partially after shag haircuts that were popular at the time, as well as the Disney film The Shaggy Dog. What are you so happy about? Gosh, Wooly, you know you're a lot more fun as a dog than you are as my brother. Ah, shut up and get me out of here. But Austin Wiggin never bothered to ask his daughters if they wanted any of these things. He told them that's what they were doing. Here's Betty and Dorothy Wiggin talking to John Ronson from the BBC. We'd practice during the day while he worked, and then when he came home from work, we'd practice sometimes before supper, and sometimes he's very strict. We practiced until it's the way he liked it. If he didn't like it, we'd do one song over and over and over. Totally. And then usually on Saturdays. Yeah. Two. So was he kind of in charge of, of everything? Yes. Yes, he was. The Wigan sisters never had any ambition to be musicians. They'd never even seen a concert in their life. Their father wouldn't allow it. He barely allowed them to listen to music. He was so strict that he discouraged even a lot of their friendships and didn't allow them to date. He wanted them just to focus on the band. He dreamed of one day seeing them on the Ed Sullivan Show. Ed Sullivan! Ed Sullivan! The Shags played their first show in 1968. The girls didn't think they were ready to play in front of an audience, but their father disagreed. They were booed and had soda cans thrown at them. They were mortified, but afterward, Austin told them they just had to practice more. The internet is full of conflicting reports about when the Shags first went into the recording studio. The 2016 Light in the Attic reissue contains a booklet written by Lenny Kay, and it says 1967 is when Austin Wiggin told his daughters they were ready. Other sources say 1968. Some, including an in-depth profile by Susan Orlean from The New Yorker, say 1969. Austin took his daughters to Fleetwood, a recording studio outside of Boston. It was about an hour and a half away from Fremont. The girls were in their late teens and early 20s at the time. While some details of when the session was and who exactly was there are fuzzy, one detail is certain. The Wigan sisters did not want to be there. They've since said so on record, but they felt they couldn't say this to Austin at the time. Reports even differ on who the engineer was for their recording session. Some, including the liner notes from the Light in the Attic reissue, credit Bob Olive as the engineer. But those same liner notes also say that Russ Hamm was the engineer on the day they showed up, 
More on this confusion in a bit. In the liner notes, Ham says, quote, It was bizarre. They set up, drums, and two guitars. They started playing, and I mean, it's hard not to burst out laughing. What is going on here? I turned to Austin and I said, Look, I'm not a guitar player, but I think I can tune those guitars. And he looked at me and says, No, no, those guitars are guaranteed. I bought those guitars from Ted Herbert's Music Mart in Manchester. They're the finest guitars, and they're guaranteed. End quote. Fleetwood had a four-track, half-inch Scully tape machine. They used only three of the tracks. One for drums, one for vocals, and both guitars on a single track. Betty and Dot both played guitar into the same amp. The amp had two inputs, so they felt they didn't need a second amp. The story goes that Austin paid two or three hundred dollars cash wrapped in cellophane for the session. Word of all of this had gotten to an entrepreneurial local producer named Charlie Dreyer. Dreyer convinced Austin to let him release the Shag's session as an album. He told him he would press 1,000 copies of the album, but he quickly disappeared, taking Austin's money and leaving them with only 100 copies. And now Austin would try and do what he could with those 100 copies. In 1969, the Shags released Philosophy of the World on Third World Recordings. The back of the album reads, The Shags are real, pure, unaffected by outside influences. Their music is different, and it's theirs alone. Those words were written by Austin Wigan. And he's not wrong about that. The album kicks off with its title track. With the 100 copies of the album that he had in his possession, Austin sent the album to progressive rock stations in Boston, college towns, and he sold copies at the weekly shows he set up for his daughters at the Fremont Town Hall. The Shags would play for two or three hours every week, playing a mix of their own songs with covers of The Beatles, Johnny Cash, and Herman's Hermits. Here's more of Betty and Dot talking with John Ronson at the BBC about those town hall dances. Kid just pick on us and this and that, you know, say how bad we were, so... Yep, make fun of us. Yeah. Was it upsetting? Embarrassing. I think to me it was just embarrassing. But before those town hall shows, the Shags played a gig on Halloween at a Fremont nursing home. Not the only time they played there, by the way. And they debuted their song, It's Halloween. It's Halloween got a polite response, which then inspired Austin to arrange their town hall shows. It's Halloween, it's Halloween, it's time for skips, it's time for squeeze. It's Halloween, it's Halloween. The ghost was spooked, the spooked was scared. Why even Dracula will be there? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Dot wrote all of the band's songs. In an interview with Rolling Stone in 2016, Corey Groh asked Dot what inspired her to write track three, Who Are Parents? Her reply, quote, I don't really know. I always respected our parents, even though my father was strict and old-fashioned. There were a lot of kids who didn't respect their parents and gave them a hard time, so I was probably trying to get the message across to them. End quote. Believe it or not, a single was released for the song My Pal Foot Foot, and this may be where some of the engineer confusion comes from. According to Discogs.com, Russ Hamm was the uncredited engineer for this single. And the single was actually released a year prior to Philosophy of the World. It was released on Fleetwood Records, the recording studio's own record label that usually released sports teams' championship season recap albums, drum and bugle core albums, and auto racing sounds albums. The 45 also misspells the band's name, using only one G. My Pal Foot Foot was a song about the family's cat running away. The back cover of Philosophy of the World even features a strange drawing of Foot Foot by Dot. Under it, it reads, Where is Foot Foot? Always likes to roam. My pal's name is Footfoot. Foot. I never find him home. I go to his house, knock at his door. People come out and say, Footfoot Foot, don't live here no more. My pal Footfoot Foot. Foot Foot. always likes to roam. My pal Footfoot Foot. Foot Foot. Now he has no in 1973, the town supervisors in Fremont decided to end the Saturday night town hall dances. Austin was furious, but the sisters were glad it was over. Helen ended up secretly marrying a man she met at one of the dances. She still lived at home for another three months after getting married because she was terrified to tell her father. When she finally told him, he got a shotgun and went after her husband. Her husband escaped but it would be months before Helen and her father spoke again. I'm 
The Shags continued to play shows around Fremont, but the band came to a sudden end in 1975 when Austin Wiggin died of a heart attack. He was just 47 years old. The sisters no longer had to play music, so they just stopped and didn't look back. But a few years later, something very unexpected happened. That's the new Rhythm and Blues Quartet, better known as NRBQ. The band's saxophonist, Keith Spring, had gotten a copy of Philosophy of the World from a friend who owned a record store. He dubbed it onto a cassette and played it for the band on the way to a show. Terry Adams, the lead singer of NRBQ, was immediately intrigued and wanted to find a way to release the album. NRBQ had started their own label, Red Rooster Records, after they were dropped from Columbia in the early 70s. So Adams then tracked down the Wiggins sisters and tells them he wants to release their record. Dot's husband's first question was, how much is that going to cost us? When Adams explained they would actually be getting paid for the record, things moved forward. Philosophy of the World was officially re-released on Red Rooster Records in 1980. Eleven years after its initial extremely limited release, the Shags were suddenly getting some notice. Some reviews have called it the worst album ever made, but there's also a lot of positive reviews. Deborah Ray Cohen of Rolling Stone reviewed the 1980 reissue, saying, quote, Philosophy of the World is the sickest, most stunningly awful, wonderful record I've heard in ages. End quote. In Rolling Stone's 1980 Rock and Roll Awards... They named the Shags Comeback of the Year. Sometimes I feel funny. The legend of the Shags continued to grow over the years. Kurt Cobain once listed Philosophy of the World at number five on his list of 50 all-time favorite albums. Frank Zappa said the Shags were better than the Beatles. Better than the Beatles would also be the name of a Shags tribute album released in 2001, featuring artists such as Deerhoof. RCA Victor released Philosophy of the World on CD in 1999. The band has even reunited to play a few shows over the last 20 years. Dot is the only member of the band who even attempted anything further with music. She formed the Dot Wigan Band in 2013, even releasing an album titled Ready, Get, Go. In addition to new material she wrote, the album also features new recordings of previously unreleased Shag songs. Helen Wigan unfortunately passed away in 2006. 
Back in 2000, the Shag's original recording of the song Philosophy of the World was the opening track on a compilation that was released called Songs in the Key of Z, The Curious Universe of Outsider Music. The album also featured a song by a man who, at one time, would record individual copies of his albums by recording on cassette, using a boombox, and performing them in their entirety over and over. Daniel Johnston. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. Bizarre Albums.